Hello and welcome to Artbox DMV. I'm your host, Jason. I'm back. And in this episode, I go northwest to Seattle Art Fair. The fair was great. Caught up with old acquaintances and met some new ones. From local galleries to national and international galleries, the Seattle Art Fair itself was diverse in subject matter and talkback events. So sit back, relax, and enjoy interviews with artists and galleries I met up with at the Seattle Art Fair. First up is Amanda. She's an artist who works with textiles. My name is Amanda Triplett. I am an artist with Shift Gallery. I work in textiles and fiber and work with mostly salvaged and recycled materials for my work. What got you into working in textiles and well, fabric? I was a painter and I was interested in working with something, first of all, sculpturally, and I was also interested in working in a more eco-friendly way and oh. making my practice more green. And I realized that there's a lot of textiles out there that need homes and could be reused and repurposed. Grew up sewing and working with craft materials, so it was an easy transition. And I realized there was a lot of potential in the medium. So, What kind of themes do you like to talk about and discuss in your work? Yeah, so my work is really comes from a place of the body okay. and trying to figure out embodiment and then also the relationship of my body to my environment and the world, the natural world. So it's really about seeking a place in the universe through understanding embodiment. So taking up space yeah. and uh, being in a body. <laughs> so. <laughs> being in a body. Being in a body. What so, is this meat um, puppet? When, yeah. when you show the work, do you, what kind of reactions have you gotten so far from some of the work that you've done that's been shown? Well, people are really interested in the materials. I think working in textiles, people uh, see the work and they want to touch it because we all have an experience of textiles, whether it's from the towel that we bathe with or the clothes that we wear. And so I think people are, they can see the work and, and know intimately how mm. it feels and what it feels like to, to touch it. So there's a draw in, into the materials from understanding, you know, understanding what it is. So well, why, for some reason, common thread comes to mind. I don't know yes. why it just does. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good phrase for it. Absolutely. It's that, that understanding. And I think we all have kind of a basic experience of working with it. We tie our shoes or braid our hair. So there's that, or work with paper, you know, all of that is very common. It's, it's in our world. So to take that and create something that is thinking about the universe and kind of the relationship of ourselves to that, I think it's, it's kind of a... Never thought of it that way from a universal perspective. No, really. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the themes that I'm really interested in, is also just expanding that idea of our place in the world and the universe and in nature. So kind of pivoting to the fair, how did, what do you think? It's, I think it's a great thing that there's a lot of local representation here. Yeah. I just wanted your reaction on that. Well, I love that. And I think that it's so important to nurture the community and also show the so much of the talent and creativity of this community. Seattle has a really strong, welcoming, beautiful arts community. And I think Shift Gallery is a huge 
representation of that, actually. I was, uh, you beat me to the punch. <laughs> I was about to ask about that. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, this is one town that always surprises me and doesn't surprise me at the same time. Yeah. And it also is uh, a very DYI town. So, oh, and, absolutely. I mean, you can't find it in any other town like, uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that... You know, I'm I'm a Portland artist, so I come up to Seattle, and I'm I'm just really um, really grateful this for this community. Even though I don't live here, but I I don't know I'm I'm very blown away by just like the creativity here, and and also just how welcoming and collaborative this city is. That you know that's actually true. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's uh, you know your your community is the arts as we were just talking about earlier so absolutely so uh, tell me more about uh shift gallery what hell's the history of that right so we have been around for 19 years and shift just a minute yeah just a minute <laughs> and uh what i love about shift gallery is it really is a group of experimental artists there's a lot of experimenting with materials medium content and i think it really nurtures that kind of practice where people are pushing against the boundaries and creating different kinds of work. So, I mean, you'll notice that there's a lot of different kinds of forms happening in our booth. There's a lot of artists working in different mediums. Yeah, and, there is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. from one wall to the next, you got traditional painting and uh, almost still life realistic all the way down to the sculpture right next to it and into your work. Over yeah. There. So it's. Definitely. You, in the booth, you guys crammed a lot of stuff in here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the big strengths about it. I think it's also, um, this is my first experience of a, a cooperative gallery, and oh. it's, a, it's a strong group of artists who are incredibly collaborative, and it's a strong community, so... I, I see what you're saying, especially as uh, collectives can either they fall apart or they, or they can survive and thrive. And it seems like 19 years they've been able to thrive. So yeah, absolutely, and through a pandemic as well. So through a pandemic, I can't <laughs> forget that, right? Yeah, wow. and I, I think there was a certain amount of adaptation and uh, innovation that happened. We did you know, online uh, receptions and Zoom. We had a hybrid reception in February where we were, <laughs> we had people Zooming in and also attending in real time. And so I think there was a lot of adaptive methods that we used to to meet the challenges of the time, you know. Or another way of saying it could be uh, uh, the way to survive. Exactly. So. That's absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's just be straight to the point. It's just the way to survive. And I think we all came out of the pandemic hungry for culture, hungry <laughs> for arts, hungry for that connectivity that art provides. And so I think it's really wonderful to be at an event like this where we are able to participate and connect. Yeah, I mean, especially for uh, the the locals, they get to see, uh, uh, you know, the local galleries are being represented very healthily and yeah. also see international and national galleries here, too. Yes. So everyone gets exposure that way. That's true. I think it's awesome, personally. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing the interview. Oh. I appreciate it. Thanks and for talking with me. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Joseph talks about Bertrand Productions and its beginnings. My name is uh, Joseph LaRue. I'm from Philadelphia, and I am the co-owner of Bertrand Productions Gallery in the Frankfurt neighborhood. Um, we've been in existence since about 2018, which means we have two real years of uh, being an art gallery, and 
three uh, COVID years. Yeah. Like virtual reality <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. Virtual yeah. slash hustle slash do whatever we can to survive. <laughs> so uh, for people who don't know your gallery and what kind of things your gallery shows, yeah. what's your objectives? Uh, well, to be totally honest, like my wife and I are both artists. Uh, we moved to Philadelphia in around 2010. Uh, after grad school and we had worked with other galleries and kind of um, been in and out. We'd done some art fairs with people and then the whole time we were kind of watching a group of artists, a lot of individuals from different places that we thought were doing kind of interesting things that either hadn't been picked up yet or weren't getting pushed that hard. In 2016, one of the galleries that I was working with decided that they weren't going to do it anymore and they moved cities. And then Stacy and I basically decided that we could either build up and start a whole new relationship with another gallery, or the alternative was we just take it on ourselves yeah. and started reaching out to some of the other artists that we thought were doing kind of interesting things. And next thing you know, here we are. I don't know. It's four years later. Uh, <laughs> or you, yeah, like you said, or, or two and a half, have you want to? Yeah. Because the COVID got in the way. Yeah. We were actually at. Untitled Art Fair in Miami in 2016, having drinks, decided while we were had maybe too many drinks that it was a good idea to start an art gallery. <laughs> so uh, who are the artists you brought for, to bring So the artists this in this fair, there's four artists, including myself and Stacey, uh, who are co-owners of the gallery. There's also Galen Gibson Cornell and Roger Allen Cleves. Galen Gibson Cornell is based in Philadelphia. He travels a lot extensively, especially before COVID, to cities all over the world, and he collects street poster material from the streets and then he basically pulls it down rolls it up brings it back to his studio in philadelphia and then he begins to kind of cut and weave those pieces together oh wow to create these big kind of large graphic kind of image-based pieces and then roger allen cleaves is based in memphis uh, we actually met him in madison in 2010 and we became friends and then i did a photo shoot for him there was a piece of his that was going to be on the front cover of a magazine and he wanted to pay me uh, and I said no and I said why don't you just make me a little drawing and he made me this big drawing that was incredible and little then we huh? kind of <laughs> fell out of touch with each other for a little bit and then I just so happened I was at a show in Memphis and he showed up to the exhibition and we started talking and we suddenly realized that he also had all this incredible work that he had made that wasn't necessarily, he wasn't really trying that hard to kind of push it out there. But once we realized like how much inventory and how much kind of backstock there was, yeah. we became kind of intrigued with the idea of like, how do we, how do we take artists like this who are making this kind of incredible work, but aren't getting the play kind of push and see if we can get more exposure for those people whether it be fairs or um, exhibitions in our main space in Philadelphia. We've done satellite kind of things outside of spaces. So it's, you know, and then over COVID, it was a lot of figuring out how, how do you do that? How yeah. do we keep going with this? And we very quickly on the phone and emailing with Facebook and Artsy and First Dibs and like all of these kind of online alternatives and seeing yeah. if we could push those as hard as we were pushing with the physical fairs that we had you know, been doing before. Right. So you basically tried to temporarily shift your model from being in reality yeah. to being a virtual reality. Absolutely. And how did it go for you? Did you, did it you was great. find a good balance? Yeah, Honestly, say. like uh, we were doing better during that period than we were before, which oh. to us was, it was interesting. It was now that, well, you know, 
two years later, uh, now that we are kind of coupling the online experience with virtual, it's better than ever again. But I think we learned a lot during COVID and a lot of what we learned about was what we were missing as far as the ability to reach people from where we were without having to go anywhere and like the means of how to go about that. Yeah. And that continually investing and kind of gambling on things that you think are important and just seeing where you can where you can get it. So now since you had to and you're still in like the virtual reality type yeah. of space, I'm gonna have to ask the NFT question. Have you has your gallery got involved with we that? We don't or any necessarily of your as the gallery get involved in NFTs, but about half of the gallery artists have released something. NFTs. Roger has probably been the most successful at it up oh, to this point. Okay. He had a feature on the cover of OpenSea. Oh wow, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, and it in a time period I mean, about a year ago when things were really cooking in the whole market. Yep. And so he had a couple of extremely successful drops of NFTs on OpenSea. What about you? Did you? I haven't really gotten haven't dabbled uh, in there yet. No, nah, you know, the gallery and kind of maintaining the gallery and figuring out kind of all the avenues of like how to get all of this stuff to work for artists has become kind of like my side hustle. Yeah. And then making my own work, you know, and those two things together basically take up the majority of all of what I have. I can, <laughs> no, 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 I can relate. I can relate. It's because like, like you, I do this and then I have my own work and then I got also got to hustle and work other gigs too. Right. And I know what you mean. It's like, you got to find the time and make narrow yeah. focus to one thing at a time. And just to add another thing to your plate, you'll just yeah. break. And we're super fortunate. Pre-COVID, Stacy and I were kind of a two-person team yeah. that did everything from photographing the work to all the editing, the going to fairs, traveling, uploading everything. And, you know, we, over that period of online marketing and kind of the last two years, have yeah. gone from having no helpers to we have five incredible assistants now who help in the nice. studio daily. Nice. You know, organizing and kind of getting everything together, helping make work for some of the people. Yeah. So we have kind of a somewhat non-standard model for running a gallery. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like nowadays there is not really one standard yeah. that fits all. So do you have a show coming up at the gallery that you want to uh, so, August 13th, we have our next show, which is um, kind of a textile-based show. Okay. So there's three artists, uh, Stacey Lee Weber, who we're showing here at uh, Seattle Art Fair, Brian Kenny, who's a New York artist, okay. and um, Mark Newport out of Michigan. Okay. So August 13th will be the opening, and that'll be up through October. And then Roger Allen Cleves will have a solo show uh, of new works in October. Okay. And then Galen Gibson Cornell will have a solo show of new works in December. Oh wow! So, so we have a lot coming. You got a lot coming. Yeah. Yeah. So if people wanted to reach out or get in touch, where would be the like IG or your website or best? Yeah, go to Instagram is at Bertrand B E R T R A N D underscore Productions. Okay. That's where we release kind of all of the newest stuff the quickest. Okay. And then BertrandProductions.com is a good place just to get a familiar with who all of the people we represent are and. Um, Get the story. Bears coming up and yeah. yeah. Okay. Shows. Well, thank you very much for doing it. I appreciate yeah, it. Helen is an artist whose work is comprised of drawing and photography. Well, my name's Helen Dennis. I'm from the UK originally, now based in New York, Brooklyn, and I've been there for quite a while. It's actually 20 years this year. I came over to America to do my MFA, which I thought, you know, a couple of years, but ended up staying a little bit longer. And, uh, so yeah, that a little bit stretched out time there. So the process that I do is a combination of drawing and photography. 
So I spend a lot of time both in the studio and then blocks of time in the darkroom. So it's kind of a split process. And it's something that I've always loved drawing. So drawing has always been a real integral part of my art practice. And when I was a student back in the UK, I really loved doing all the photography and the chemicals and just seeing things happen instantly and then mm -hmm. messing around with it and kind of seeing what you can come up with and create out of this really kind of scientific process, but at the same time, really not. It's like you're playing with light at the end of the day. I was going to say, yeah, because looking at your work that is behind you, it does strike me and it's subtle yet not. Yeah. When I'm doing the drawings, I'm thinking about the light as opposed to the drawing. So everything oh. I'm doing is oh. going to be reversed. So as well as the final images, I actually have a studio full of what would be seen as perhaps a negative, but it's actually drawings. So each image that you see is made up of multiple drawings. Well, so each image is made up of, say, maybe four or five drawings, layers of drawings. Okay. And each layer has a different amount and a different type of information in the that is kind of compressed when it's the light is shone through it so that's interesting so huh. yeah i never so, thought of compression like that okay no really so the drawings are done on translucent paper one drawing may have just like the skeleton of a of the imagery and another may have the real detail and then another may have just kind of a bit of an overview of everything but when everything is layered up and registered together and sandwiched down under a sheet of glass everything builds up and where right. lines cross you get a different density so i'm really playing with the light in that respect as well yeah because i i couldn't help but notice like with the cafe image that you have yeah is the outdoor umbrellas and you got people sitting underneath them and people talking and what have you around them i was commenting to chuck about it is that it really does give this a uh, sense of like foreground midground and background to it and it is kind of getting blurry at the same time. I like that fact. So the blurriness, it's a result of the process really as well. There's certain elements in it that I just can't control. And if you get a fraction of air, layer of air between the drawings, you get a really soft blurriness. But then if there's no air and everything is really sandwiched together, it's really sharp. There's all of these different nuances that I get to play with. But also it's a happy kind of result, not knowing what I'm going to get, but knowing what I've got and I can line up a certain scenario and then going through the process in the dark room, not fully knowing the result, but knowing <laughs> roughly, it's nice for me as well because it's like mixing colors and you're like trying to get to the, the one and then you may stumble across something that you didn't quite expect. So there's always that element of play as well. So do you primarily work kind of monochromatic or do you work in color as well when it comes to the to your work? I have worked in color. It becomes very <laughs> tricky. A long time ago, I used different color tissue paper, but it's really interesting what you think will happen, like the reverse of the colors. You then realize that it's actually made up of all these different pigments and, and the, the reverse of different colors is just, it becomes a bit of a minefield. So when it comes to color, what I have done is I'll pick one color and go with that. And a lot of the times that's also playing with the dials in the darkroom. So if you adjust the, the amount of magenta or cyan or the yellow, then you can really shift the colors, but you don't have to then worry about the color of the pen, the paper that I'm using and just purely changing the colors through the, the light that's been emitted. But then yeah. that just means it's still monochrome. Chromatic, just one but it's color. just as a color, yeah. Yeah. Now, have you ever attempted to do work where you started like with cyan and and then magenta, and you build those layers on top of each other? 
You mean like with the, the actual... Paper, the yeah. The paper. Yeah. I did. And that's where what looks like the same color and also the pens, what look like the same blue. Yeah. If it's a different brand, it's a whole different... Or like a different batch. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's so many like there's so many other elements yeah. to it. And yeah. even if you're just using a black pen, yeah. sometimes it's a bluey black and sometimes it's a brownie black. Yeah. And you'd never notice unless you're putting them next to each other. And Plus the years that you've been doing it. I mean, yeah. you know, for what? Two and weeks, right? No, I'm just joking. Yeah. But for after a while, you, you kind of can see it before yeah. you even have to see it back to back or next to each other. Yeah, definitely. And even in just doing black and white imagery, the density of the pen changes as well. So if it's a really thick ink or, you know, if it's a fresh pen, you get a much thicker white line when yeah. you're going through the process because obviously everything is reversed. So the black pen becomes a white line in the photographic image. So, and then with the gray ones... Yeah, I was about to ask that, yeah. So when I'm doing a drawing using black pen on white paper, taking it into the dark room, it reverses. Right. It looks like it's been painted with a white pen. Right. But that's just where the light has been held back and the photographic paper hasn't been exposed to the light, so it stays white. So then what happens to get the gray version? You take that black image... So there's, there's a kind of a generation before this gray image oh. that you see. So you take the black image into the dark room and project the light through the black image. But you then have to really open up the aperture, expose it really long. And then you can insert other drawings in, which is where you get, if you insert a drawing with a black line, you're then going to get a white line. And then just depending on thickness of the paper, you get different thicknesses of the lines coming right, through right, right. as the light diffuses through, like, the paper that's a millimeter thick diffuses through a paper that's a fraction of a millimeter thick. Yeah. So it's really kind of playful in that respect. Huh. So that's how the gray version comes out. At first blush, I honestly thought you just used a white pencil or a china marker or something to get that effect. But no, this is basically step by step by step. Yeah. In a way, it's kind of like printmaking where you're thinking about the reverse and how something's going to be going through the next generation and other things can affect the the print. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, and not to mention what you said it before, but also the batch. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the batch of the emulsion, the batch of the, actually of the paper. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so, that's, it's almost endless possibilities. It's what keeps me interested is like that element of not quite knowing what's going to turn out. I can set up a scenario. I can do the drawings. I have a good idea of what's going to happen, but I never fully know until I take it into the dark room. And project yeah, and the then light through you it. You see what you see and get yeah. what you get. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes as I'm doing the test sheets for times and stuff like that, what would be seen in the kind of a traditional sense of photography as not quite the right exposure is actually gives me something more. So kind of playing with the process really and seeing what I can get from it as opposed to what the processes can do in yeah. a more of a traditional sense. Uh, is a lot of your themes and subject matter just dealing with everyday life or, well, uh, or is extent, it something yeah. yeah, to an extent. I have a few different elements of my work. So for a long time, it was mostly focusing on architecture of the buildings around me and layering up the layers of the buildings and the structures and creating quite an immersive environment, working on a very large scale. And where I did my undergrad in the UK, the site where I was doing fine art was also architecture. So there was a big influence of like- Oh, you're exposed the, the to a lot of architects would kind of come to the artists and say, we need some inspiration in this. And then we got a chance to do stuff for the 
architect. So there was a little bit of cross-pollination there, I guess. <laughs> the architects were fantastic when it came to designing exhibitions because you'd be like, can you just do a CAD design uh, for this? And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In like a couple of hours, you've got the whole walkthrough. So uh, how did you, did you stumble upon this process that you... Well, I always Or were you loved, exposed to it somehow? I, like I say, drawing has always been a part of my artwork. Yeah. And then photography was something where I was kind of introduced to it at art school as I was bronze casting and welding and all of these other fun things that you don't get to do at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> dangerous too, by the yeah. way. <laughs> and photography was also, you know, where I did my undergrad, this is many, many years ago, um, we were able to jump in and out of different departments because oh, it was a fine art degree. It wasn't right. like you had to do... You didn't have a... You know, like in my school, I had a, a specialty, yeah. So. Right. Well, I remember I started off in the sculpture department because the whole welding and bronze casting was just... I mean, it was that just fun. That would be fun <laughs> to do, yeah. And then I discovered it was easier to sculpt in painting than it was to paint in sculpture just because of the dust. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And then I ended up using photography more than anything in the painting studios, doing all the drawings, but then spending my time in the dark room. The discipline, as it were, was more practical as opposed to you have to follow this route. It was like you're all getting a fine art degree. It's what makes sense. Yeah, I, I kind of see needs. the philosophy of your school because it's like, we'll expose you to all of this. Right. And then you have to choose your own path. Yeah. And then we'll grade you on it. Or <laughs> well, you have to defend it kind of. Well, that, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I'm kind of really actually mean because I know there have been many times I had to defend my work. <laughs> I was like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? What does this mean? Because but, it was a last minute project. <laughs> but the photography and the Sorry, drawing. Sorry, Howard. <laughs> But the photography and the drawing was something that I guess to an extent you could say it's a happy accident, but yeah. it was more a case of I really want to try and blend these two elements that I really enjoy. So, and what's it's kept me kind of kept enjoying it for the last X amount of time. Let's yeah, just I was going to say, say. <laughs> for some um, time. For, yeah, and it's the fact that there's all of these elements at play that you don't quite know what's going to happen, yeah. but you can set up these scenarios is really what keeps me kind of going and keeps me on my toes thinking about what I'm doing. And going back to the subject matter that I use, so architecture is a big part, and then also the bikes and the cafe scene that you see here. Yeah. That's like urban architecture. So I've got some images of chairs and things like that. And it's like architecture that you see around you and fire escapes and all of that kind of thing. Not so much the buildings or the streets, which I have focused on. Right. But it's like this urban architecture that creates the space and is also malleable within the space. The bikes aren't always there. They kind of go, they change position, they, you know. Yeah, it's not stagnant. No, it's right. much more in flux. If anything, it's ephemeral in a sense. Exactly. So yeah. you are taking a picture with your your pen. So yeah. Just to briefly touch on it, so you use pen and ink. Is that? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Just to buy boxes and boxes of. I love sharpie pens. That's basically. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I can get hold of them very easily. I That's get true. through a lot of them. An average size in the studio would be, say, five foot square. I've done pieces that are 12 foot square or 21 foot by 8 foot. And, yeah. and the other part of that is like the drawings are actually that size. And then taking them into the dark room and buying the rolls of paper, the photographic paper on the rolls and 
it becomes a lot of planning and then just, okay, this is where the seams are going to go in the imagery, then just kind of go for it. And it's all right. sharpie, permanent. So there's mistakes in there. There's mistakes in there. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, so I, they get <laughs> drawn into and... Well, yeah, you, you just, you work with them. Yeah. That's just how, you know, that's what I was always taught. It's like you make a mistake, you just work with it, you know. Yeah, and it's also, it becomes a part of the piece. It's like, and also the nature of the way the drawings are. There's there's a lot of flexibility. So. Yeah, it's well, just to go back to what we've both been touching on, it's like endless possibilities. Yeah. So. Yeah. But the other side, some work that I'm working on at the moment is mm -hmm. images of natural environments and trees and the architecture within the forests and that kind of thing. And I spent some time in Nepal and Bhutan. My husband happened to be working there in Nepal. So we went to Bhutan and I took some incredible images of these landscapes. There are such fragile landscapes at the moment with the whole climate and oh, yeah. And who knows how long it will be there. Yeah. No, really, I, I know. <laughs> so I have so many images from that that I'm, I'm still kind of plowing through in the studio. Yeah, the, the, the way the work has progressed <laughs> over the time. Because initially it was a lot of it was like, what's around me? And yeah. And what have I got access to and what interests me and what keeps me looking. Right. And then kind of thinking about my surroundings as in what's changing and the, you know, elements that are in flux. And then kind of building on that. And it was interesting because for a long time people would say, why don't you have any people? Or why don't you do natural things? And I was like, oh, never really thought of that. And even in the cafe scene, there's no real figures in there, but, but there, there are, are figures in there. And, and my impression of the work are the people to focus or not and i don't think they are because you're, you're representing an environment that is ephemeral. because uh, like you just said earlier the next time you go by where that cafe would be the one of the the umbrellas might not be there right. or might be down there might need nobody's around there no chairs so it's it's those little details yeah and it's more of an essence of the people as well right and especially on the larger scale works that i would do my viewpoint is like I want the viewer to be within the piece mm. so it's more a case of your experience in the environment as opposed to when you then see someone within the environment it becomes a different relationship to the artwork as opposed to just experiencing the the surroundings it's a different kind of sensibility once you yeah sensibility and familiarity yeah you know and and I, I see what you're saying you do kind of because we are, like you said, we, we live in that environment. You kind of just let let a, ba a bike rack just fade away because you see it, you move on. You don't really yeah. think more contextually about it. Yeah. You just go forward, you know, and the same thing with the cafe. and it, you know. So the, the imagery that I'm doing with, with the, the forests and natural environments and stuff, I'm actually also kind of hiding things within the drawings. Oh. And uh, that's something that it's a bit like hiding the mistakes. I would do it. I know exactly where things are not quite right or something, or I've tried to something adjust out of proportion. it. Or, yeah, 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 I'm like, I know how I want to kind of improve on that the next time. So there is a lot of stuff that can be hidden within it. And in the artwork that I'm doing based on the, the imagery that I picked up in Nepal and Bhutan is hiding text from the Paris Climate Accord within the trees. Wow, so, that's pretty, I like that. So it's like the text is, it's in there and you can make out some words every now and then. And from a distance, it just looks like the foliage. But then when you get close up, you're like, hold on, what is it? Does that say something? Yeah, Does that yeah. not say something? You can't really read it all. You can just every now and then you can pick out words and if you know to look for it. Right. So from a distance, it offers you one thing and then 
it kind of draws you in thinking, well, what am I looking at? And then you're getting closer. Like, Hold on a minute. Am I, what is the process? And yeah. I, I do like the viewer to kind of be intrigued by that. So in a way, I, I do hope my description is a little bit vague as well. Now, here, here's an important uh, philo philosophical question for you. Oh, dear. Uh, in your opinion or your philosophy, you've kind of already led me down where you're going to want to say, but is a piece finished by the viewer or is it finished by the artist? Ooh. Does it have to be finished at all? That's valid. That's You, you went for <laughs> C. <laughs> I, I certainly create my artwork with the viewer in mind. And I... Yeah, I like to think about the viewer in mind. I always have done, especially with the larger pieces. It's like, well, when you stand here, this fills your peripheral view. Yeah. And I want to quite consciously not put people in it and want something to be read from a distance, but also read more abstract closer up, which is what tends to happen. Yeah. And then it takes you into another realm of thinking about the process. So I do want to invite the viewer to have access to all of those things if they so wish. I'm not saying you look at this, you have to think about the process. <laughs> I'm saying, you look at this, if you want to stand back and see it as one thing, you want to go in close and see it more abstract, I'm happy with that. And yeah. I do want to offer that wider vocabulary to the audience. So in that respect, I hope that I'm offering a kind of a wide palette, as it were. Yeah. Even though it's all black and white, it's all photography. It's right, quite right, restricted. Right. But at the same time, as much as I'm offering a wide palette, I do hope that I'm making the giving the viewer an experience of asking those questions of themselves or you know what am i looking at why am i looking at this and and so does the viewer finish it or does the artist finish it i think i can only present so much and what people want to read into it and what people bring to it and read into it I can't control. So I can offer as much as I can to guide them in one direction, but I don't think I'm ever going to be able to say the viewer is going to get this, this, and this from it. Right. Uh, kind of wrap up question. Uh, if uh, people wanted to uh, view your work, if you could uh, give them like a website or your, your Instagram or anything like that. Yep. So my website is helendennisart.com and my Instagram my Instagram handle is actually idiotic ideas. <laughs> I uh, I did have the Gmail address for that as well. I think I still do somewhere, but then I thought, well, maybe I should change that. So um, I I I haven't. I was going to change it to my name, but you know what? I just stuck with idiotic ideas. <laughs> I think I was having a moment with a, a nice glass of wine and yeah, thought that'll I, work. Th that's another I, that's another kind of conversation to have, <laughs> yeah. you know, with the psychiatrist. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank I'm, you for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me to talk oh, about my work. No problem. Thank you. Alberto is co-owner of GR Gallery, and we talked about the work the gallery brought and what's next for GR Gallery. Go ahead and introduce yourself and the gallery. Uh, I'm Alberto, owner and director of uh, GR Gallery, a gallery located on Bowery, New York. Uh, we opened it in 2015 uh, and started like a second branch of an older Italian gallery established in the 70s uh, for a couple of years. Then it completely changed program and now we mostly do like 
very groundbreaking, young, uh, bright, uh, mostly figurative artist. So do you start like with uh, just like oh, mid-career the, Yeah, exactly. Secondary market, mid, not even mid-career, well-established, uh, like with a big... Um, yeah, totally. And a uh, long, successful career, like all artists on their 80s, uh, 80s, 90s, or that, or the States, or yeah, these kind of things. Uh, started with that focus, with that focus, then with the Italian gallery, kept doing those things. Uh, and we like, and I like renewed the program and made like younger, completely dislocated from that program. Oh. So, uh, so that who, but the artists you brought here today at the Seattle Art? Yeah, these are uh, there are seven different artists. Uh, there are a couple that we work with before. There are a couple that we're gonna work with uh, in the future, and there are a couple that we hope to work with in the future. Right. So starting from the right, I say it's easier. We have Ega Mietsu. Is a very, is a young, uh, very promising uh, Japanese artist mm. she um, I mean she's pretty famous in Japan she already had two museum show and like style wise she embraced the the typical traditional uh, ink uh, uh, art technique so she paints with a very fluid uh, oil ink and that she made herself with very thick brushes just to imitate the Japanese calligraphy, those big movements, just every brush, just one movement, never pass over it, pass again on it. And, uh, and with those, she made like this kind of portrait that if you see it from very big, this brush to this thick, if you see it from close, you don't really know what you're looking at. And once you step behind a little bit, you step back a little, bit you see the figure showing up oh. like a very unique and interesting style oh so then, oh sorry go ahead uh, no no then we have Sanjaya Sanjaya Kenka we already work with we represent him so already work with him uh, this year again next year again again the year after he's from Indonesia and uh, another like super promising young artist from that area well how do you how do you find some of these artists uh, very different ways. I mean, sometimes randomly, sometimes the artists reach out, sometimes by reference from other artists or collectors or people they know. So there is not a, so it's a specific way. Just yeah. from all over. Not, yeah, from okay. all over. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, you mentioned to me a moment ago uh, that you have another show coming up, opening soon. Uh, when's that? Yeah, that is, is going to be our annual summer group show because every summer we do a big group show with something like 20 artist oh, wow. just to test uh, all these artists the first time that we work with uh, and uh, like to test the market to test uh, how they go to test how people react uh, to this new new artist and uh, yeah this is gonna open on August 4th there are gonna be 20 artists uh, half of them are gonna be at the gallery so it's gonna be a big opening oh, wow. and, yeah well, cool. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to the gallery, could you give them your uh, email or IG? Or, yeah, sure. Uh, website, the, the IG, easiest thing is IG. So like uh, GR Gallery uh, underscore NY. Okay. Well, thank you very much for doing thank this. Thank you. Thank you.
I want to say thank you to Seattle Art Fair, an AMP creative event. And thank you to the gallerists and artists for their time for doing the interviews. To hear this episode and past episodes of Artbox DMV, go to the website at artboxdmv.com. And Artbox DMV is on Instagram at artboxdmv. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.